It's not always the big things that change the world. It's the small acts of kindness that happen repeatedly over a lifetime that make the world a better place. So every week we share a story of someone like you who is doing good in the world in their own way. Welcome to Doing Good with Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone. I'm Carmen Herbert, and welcome to Doing Good. Today, I am so excited to have the one and only Dr. Matt Townsend on the podcast today. Dr. Matt, thank you so much for coming on this morning and talking with me. Thanks for having me, Carmen. This is fun. This is so fun. And you are so fun and so funny. Thank you. And the first time I heard you speak was at my mother-in-law, Jeanette Herbert's parenting conference, Uplift Families. And you told the hilarious. We told lots of funny stories, but one of them, you jumped off a balcony onto a trampoline Uh and bounced off the trampoline and then, and then tried to run it off. But, but you tried to run it off, but then you fell on your knees. You tried to run off of your knees and then you fell on your face and and you tried to run it off on your face. Yeah. Well, I I was never actually running anything (laughs) off. My brain was saying to run it off, but my body couldn't deliver. But my ego didn't know that. So my ego kept thinking, this isn't that bad. Just run it off. But just run it off. The entire time I was dying. It was it was the funniest story because you're like, I want to be a cool dad. I'm I'm one of the cool dads yeah. that does cool tricks. Yeah. I'm gonna leave yeah. a memory with my yes. kid. And you me. and you left the best one. Uh-huh. Oh, they they still to this day can't get over it. <laughs> well, we can't we didn't even see it, but you described it so well. You have such Thank an you. amazing way of telling stories. And I want to talk to you a little bit about how you got into that and, and storytelling and it just comes so naturally and easy to you. And so let's jump into your bio first so okay, people can just know how amazing you are. Oh, you're not. Okay. Yes. So for about two decades, Dr. Matt Townsend has been energizing and involving audiences with his unique approach to building and maintaining successful relationships. Matt, you are known as one of America's top presenters in the field of human relations and development. You like to blend humor and storytelling with interactive real life solutions that inspire, motivate, and provide immediately results in in your audience. I mean, people love you. So you dedicated your life to the study of communication and interpersonal relationships, and you've worked extensively in the areas of results-oriented communication, conflict resolution, and time management training. As a lead presenter for industry leader, Franklin Covey, you worked with the family and special market division and created the company's largest train the trainer program, Yeah, certifying more than 900 trainers to teach your customized time management curriculum. Do you still teach time management? No, uh, no, I hate time. Management. I was going to say, I, I need that. Yeah. No, I was good back then, but I kind of grew out of it. Dang it. Okay. Well, <laughs> where can I go to learn more about that? Dr. Matt. Franklin Covey. Franklin Covey. Okay, I'm going to go into it. I need that badly. You've had so many amazing clients, American Express, Discovery Toys, Freddie Mac, General Miles, Hewlett, Packard, Honda. I mean, it goes on and on and on. You are a weekly contributor to KSL TV show Studio 5 with Brooke Walker. Love her. She's so great. Incredible. And then your book, Starved Stuff, The Seven Basic Needs of Healthy Relationship is Relationships is a popular pick among those searching for better relationship skills, which aren't we all? Yeah. And you have a lot of online programs available for marriage, dealing with anxiety and parenting, which again, aren't we all? You're on Facebook and Instagram under the name Dr. Matt Townsend, where you post uplifting segments and quotes and regular three-minute segments called Matt's Minutes that can help you improve your lives and most important relationships. 
you have your bachelor's and master's in communication, second master's degree in human development, and a doctoral degree, PhD, in human development. So I'm sure your most of all the accolades that and and that you've received, your most favorite. I would I don't want to call it a reward, but probably the most rewarding thing is is um, your marriage. Your yeah. wife, you've been married for 28 years yeah. to Marty, and have six kids, five boys and one girl, yeah. and um, three grandkids. Most yeah. recently, twins. Oh, that's so awesome! So awesome! So look at you. I love reading bios about other people. And just hearing about all, everything they've accomplished in their life, how amazing they are. I hate it when people read it about me, but I, I love reading it Yeah, <laughs> about other people. Okay. So my very first question for you, Dr. Matt, my yeah. husband, when he found out that we were going to interview you this morning, he said, ask him how he got so funny. Well, that's a really great question. <laughs> that's a big question. That's a very intellectual question. But really, honestly... Do you feel like humor is a gift? Do you feel like you were given that? How did you discover that you are? Well, you know, one thing, my dad is really funny. I, I always grew up knowing that there's a difference in humor and some people are just really funny. So I always grew up watching him and I, I didn't, you don't, you don't ever know if you've got it, but then I started just realizing with my friends around me, I was funnier. So and then I, I kind of realized it was a gift. We'll talk about how you can find out about your gifts. But I'd love to. Once I realized I had a gift with humor and playfulness, I actually used it to compensate for everything else I wasn't good at. So oh. I, I, like I wasn't a great student in high school. Okay. I was funny. And so I could endear people to me. I could get the teachers to like me. And I would just use my humor as my crutch. And um, I, my entire life, I've pretty much just used it as my crutch. And that you'll actually find a lot of comedians do that, actually, like full yeah. comedians, um, because, you know, it's fun to be funny. But a lot of yeah. times you're also masking pains and insecurities and, and other issues. And so what it, what it is, interestingly, that I find that makes humor work for me is that I'm really sympathetic and empathetic. So oh. I feel a lot about everyone and I yes. feel a lot about the people around me. I tend to notice funny things like, cause I noticed, Oh, that would be funny if that happened to me. And I noticed, I just, and I feel it. So we're going to try to tie in some tools that we can all use as we're parents and, and with our kids. And one of the simple things is if you see it, if you feel it, if you sense it, if you notice it could be funny, then it is funny. Okay. And yeah. it's not making light of it. Cause I, uh, cause I believe humor is really healing. I mean, yeah. it, it, it truly is. And they've proven, you know, it releases serotonin and oxytocin yeah. and when yeah. you laugh. And so, challenges. yes. And so do you find that you're good at maybe making uncomfortable, awkward yeah. situations funny? And by doing that kind of yeah. lightens the mood, makes yeah. everyone feel better. Yeah. So a lot of people coming to my office that I work with are couples on the verge of divorce, lots of tension, lots of people with anxiety and depression, uh, lots of people with really high conflict, maybe a family. I'll have an entire family come in that they're all mad at the dad and who he's dating. Oh, and that would be hard. Passed away and, uh, you know, six brothers and sisters that are all adults and married are all mad at dad. And we'll do a big kind of intervention and walk everybody through stuff and get them talking. And a lot of times humor breaks all the tension. 
How do you do that without making it seem like you're making light of the situation? Yeah. One of my favorite quotes by Carl Jung says, that which is most personal is most universal. So pretty much like, like what I do when you walk in and you can feel the tension, yeah. I usually say something like, I, I say, you guys ready to have fun? You ready to get started? And nobody's feeling that way. And so usually right. humor is saying the thing that no one's expecting you to say. And when you say that, you can immediately get a feel for the room. So a lot of times okay. I use humor as a, as a ping where I can check where everybody is. And then I know where the tension's really coming from. Okay. And then I can know. And a lot of times what I'll do is like, if I know there's one person that's more tense, yeah, then I will, I won't start with them. I'll start with others. And then I might crack a joke somewhere in between. Just again, that which is most personal. You know, yeah. I always joke that no one's ever died in my office. No one's yeah. ever died. So we're going to get <laughs> through this, you guys. And it's super simple. And I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I won't put anybody on pressure. And, and then I just, I, I just kind of get a feel for the room. And then once I've made a joke and I see the guy crack a little bit, I'll go right to him. Okay. And, and what it does is it's so, and I've even seen this like in my speeches, in my firesides is I found that to talk about relationships, people get uptight. So when mm -hmm. you joke about it, they all relax. And then when they relax, you can shoot in a bunch of truth. Yes. And then they get fed and then you'll see they start to tighten up again. And then you make them laugh again and they relax. So it's like literally they're breathing. They're la laughing, relaxing. And the minute they're relaxed, you shoot in more information. Then you have to get them to relax again and you shoot in more information. That's so interesting. And it's like you're saying that like they physically relax, like, oh, they let go. And then bam, 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 right to your yeah. heart, the truth. Yeah. Whew, and then they relax and let go. Why they do you don't even know they're learning? It's so great because right. by the end, you've taught them a lot of stuff. And but they've laughed so much. They don't feel like it was teaching. They just right. feel like it was living. They just lived it. It was a good time. And yeah. and I agree. I think that that it is so much better. Like Marjorie Pay Hinckley said, like you can either laugh or cry. Yeah. And I choose to laugh. Right. And same, yeah. like it's every day I could cry over so many things that my crazy four boys do. But it's exactly. like, okay, I'm going to choose to laugh at you punching each other and That's spilling right. things and whatever. How did that feel? How did that feel, Jimmy? Exactly. I know. That's why we don't do it. That's it's why we true. don't touch each other. Isn't that interesting? When I was young and I knew my dad was funny and I knew I was starting to be known as someone that was funny. I remember sitting in a fireside with David Christensen. I don't know if you remember. Yes. Yes. And um, I was young. I was way young and he was young and he was hilarious. He and, is hilarious. And made everyone laugh, but then learned the scriptures and made everyone laugh. And I remember thinking, okay. I want to be like that. Like, I want to be like David Christensen. And I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you could be in a church meeting, make everyone laugh and cry and feel the spirit. Yeah. You can. And then, so ever since then, I've been just practicing it. He, I listened to his book on the Deseret Book bookshelf app, The Quest for Self Mastery. Yeah. And it's old because he talks about, you know, President Hinckley and, and David O. McKay and some of the prophets and President Benson. And anyway, he was talking about some things. And it's funny that he, he borderlines just a tiny bit on almost uncomfortable. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. Can he say that? Yeah. So you laugh like, oh my goodness, yeah. that was almost yeah. like irreverent. But it is so funny. Yeah. That's right. What, what's so interesting is that you, by taking you to that edge, it actually keeps you engaged because totally. Did you just say that? Yes. And 
And what you'll find is you with humor, you can say things you'd never normally say. Right. Right. And you, and you don't even have to do it sarcastically necessarily, but you they I can get away with saying things that others can't say. Right. Because it's it's just true. And that's <laughs> what I get a lot when people uh, hear me talk. They're like, it just feels like you're just saying what no one else will say or you're saying you're just speaking such truth. And yeah. the, so if you notice what that means, then a lot of us aren't speaking truth. We have this way we think we need to speak. And humor transcends that. And that's why it's such a great parenting tool, right? Because your kids, you can say stuff to your kids. Like even as I teach my kids about sex, as I teach my kids about dating, yes. I can use humor in a way that is makes things really clear. For sure. And you yeah. can get to the point without it being so uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Yeah. And then we can laugh about it and they can still be uncomfortable and we're still going to talk about it. Win-win. That's right. That's Perfect. right. That's right. Okay. So tell me how this all got started, how you got into speaking, yeah. um, how you found that that was a talent of yours. And then now you do coaching. And I want to talk about that too, how you yeah. transitioned. So when you found out you were funny when you were growing yeah. up in high school, and then are you like, oh, I really want to take this to the next level, just not make my friends laugh, but yeah. speak in front of people. Yeah. Well, but it's funny. And that came about weirdly because as I was in college, I mean, interesting, I went on my mission before my mission, I took a, my first college class, which was a public speaking class. And I realized I'm pretty good at that, that I got good grades in that. That was easy. And Hey, again, I can use my humor to cover for my insecurity. Yep. And then um, came back from my mission. Didn't know what I wanted to study. Married into a family that were all doctors. Everyone, oh. you know, it was all about medicine. It was all about doctor. And my brain's not that kind of brain. Um, I'm, I'm a social scientist. Yeah. And, um, so, <laughs> so I didn't know where I fit. And so I started thinking, maybe I'll do journalism. So I, I got a degree in journalism at first. And my wife actually is the one that said, you'd be a really good like reporter, news anchor kind of guy. Oh. Which was, which was really great because it got me started. So I have a, my bachelor's was in journalism. Okay. Um, then I went and got a master's degree, but I knew I didn't want to be in journalism because I had already worked at Channel 2 and KUTV News and some other stations. And what I knew is I just wanted to, I wanted, I, I, I instead of, instead of being the one making, instead of the one reporting news, I wanted to be the one making news. I wanted to be the one, I'd rather write the book and talk about a book than just interview somebody about a book. Uh-huh. So, yeah. So, and I just knew my gifts were kind of that way. And weirdly, then I got a job at Franklin Covey and on the side for fun, because I knew I wanted to learn to teach, I would teach seven habits of highly effective people. I taught it like to high school groups. OK. And um, never got paid. I just would go teach it because I had friends that were in high school and Anyway, started doing that. No way. And yeah. So I just did it for free. And then on the side at Franklin Covey, I started teaching the new hire classes because they needed somebody for free to teach all the eight, the new people that were just hired into the company. Lots of free stuff, Matt. Uh, what's free? No, I said lots of, you did lots of free oh, stuff. Oh, that's, by the way, that's a rule. That's a rule going forward for everyone. If you want a shot, do it for free. Okay. And then be so good at it. That, that you're discovering. They're willing to pay you. Okay. That's what happened is at Covey, I had taught it for free and was crushing it, this new hire orientation, crushing it. And it just so happens a new guy had just been hired 
Um, Todd Davis is his name, by the way. He's the new, he's the guy in charge of HR and people at Franklin Covey now, which is a huge company. Yes. But he, he saw me teach the class and he came up to me and he said, why aren't you one of our trainers? And I said, well, I'm 25. I think I was 26. And he's like, and they don't hire us to teach because they think we're too young. And he's like, well, weirdly, I'm the guy in charge of hiring those people now. So I want you to put in an audition tape. <gasps> and I put in an audition tape and 100 people applied for a job. And out of that, I got a job as a trainer and was the youngest trainer at Franklin Covey. And then I was terrified because I'm like, can I pull this off? And yeah. meanwhile, I was getting a master's degree in dialogue theory, which is conflict resolution theory. Okay. And so finished that degree and was working for Franklin Covey and boom, youngest presenter at Franklin Covey. And so that is amazing. It works. Right. And then all of a sudden, then I really had to use my humor. Right. I would teach three days straight and these people would get sick if you weren't entertaining. Mm -hmm. So I realized just start dancing. So what, what would you say your humor style is? Well, you know what? It's really, everyone comes up to me after I speak and they're like, oh my heck, you, you remind me of Michael Scott. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, I'm like, you mean Steve Carell, right? Steve Carell. And they're like, no, Michael Scott. Like, no, Michael the Scott. character, Michael yeah. Scott. So um, I think some of it's dry humor, sarcastic for sure. Okay. Um, and then, but just also then noticing the little nuances. So, because again, I'm so self-aware. I notice what I do. Yeah. And then I notice what I don't want anyone to notice me doing. And okay. then I just bring up that. When I talk about what I don't want anyone noticing me doing, I usually notice that's what everyone laughs at. And so kind of self-deprecating. Yeah, almost. very self-deprecating. Okay. And, and kind of um, a little, some people also feel like it's a little Brian Reagan-esque. Okay, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I tend to act out stuff. And I use, I use some voices too. And part of that's because in my business, I have to like role play men and women examples. And so I use just, I just use voices. Do you have, have a, like a specific man voice and a specific woman voice or does yeah. it change depending on uh -huh. who you're counseling? And yeah. And it's always, it's more like, yeah, it's just kind of a higher voice for the lady. But and I always, this is a funny thing. I always, I always call the female Stacy. Stacy. Okay. Stacey. Yeah. Her name's Stacy. And, okay. and, and so like, I'll joke like Stacy and I, and I say stuff, but then there's always a Stacy in the room. <laughs> So I always create a complex for people named Stacy. It's like Karen. Now there's a complex for now, all the Karen. Now I need to. Now I might start using Karen. You could start using Karen because Karen's now been ruined by people. Karen's yeah. been ruined. Yeah. What about the boy? What's the boy's name? What is the boy's name? Well, I just it just depends. Chuck. Chuck. Chuck's Chuck athlete name like Chuck. His name is Chuck. Chuck. Um, Jimmy. I use Jimmy a lot. Jimmy. Jimmy because it's kind of a soft name I, don't know. I you know what's funny Carmen too is I never really think about it that's, that's funny me. so I have certain stories I've told a lot that those I just keep telling the same way but yes. the other thing is I because I speak so much I get practice all the time so yeah. I and I and one of the things I found out about myself I, I, I learned really quickly what my strengths are and that is something we probably ought to focus on because in my world I don't I, I'm not a therapist, so I don't psychoanalyze people. The difference with me 
is I use, I'm really, I'm what would probably be more called a positive psychologist. Okay. I, I am a coach. The difference with me is skills and tools. Most therapists have like a, 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 a an approach where they're going to psychoanalyze you to figure out what your root problem is. Mm-hmm. My view is um, I, I honestly don't necessarily care why you're struggling, if that sounds weird. Okay. There's already solutions to fix it. So we could spend an hour and a half talking about where you're broken. Okay. What that tends to do is reinforce where you're broken. Uh-huh. Or we could spend the same hour and a half talking about what it would look like if you were no longer broken. And once you start to give me examples of what it would look like when you're no longer broken, we can start moving you to those answers. And so I'd rather move you to solution rather than spending too much time focused on the problem. I love that. And traditional therapy focuses, there, there is a type of therapy that's called brief therapy that moves you more to solution. Okay. Um, and that's really more of a coaching model. Like it's like your football coach doesn't necessarily in the moment care why you're not making the field goal. He just wants you to kick the field goal. Right, exactly. So we could talk about what happened when you were 12, but on the field now that's not going to work because right, right now if you can't kick the goal, I need to find someone that can. But there is a perfect place for therapy, and I think there's a perfect place for coaching and education. And I think most human beings actually need more skills and tools than they need probably than they probably need psychotherapy. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. My dad is a psychiatrist, so he is even yeah. more he's more of the medical um, clinical, yeah. medical clinical absolutely. And it's funny because I, I my dad has helped me so much and I love him dearly, but I've often said, I'm like, you're not really a therapist. Like when I go to talk to you, he's like, just get over it. You no, know, yeah, get over it. like it's fine. And, and yeah. if there's really a problem, let's talk about getting you on meds. And I'm like, dad, but yeah. and then I'll go to like my girlfriends at book club for my therapy. Yeah, totally. And, and, and yeah. then I'll like kind of go to my husband for my coaching. Like yeah, that's he's it. more like, get out of bed. What do you yeah. need to do? Let's figure out a solution. That's right. Let's get moving. Let's get moving. Way, notice what you just said that is so important is what ends up being therapeutic. This is what my whole master's degree was on is dialogue. So when we talk to people, it's the talking that's therapeutic. So that's what makes therapy therapy is because they're talking and listening and you get to talk and they reflect and they listen and they reflect and they reflect what you're saying. So we, it's the dialogue itself that becomes the true therapy. Okay. The ideal is that you then solve your own problem because you can see it. There it is. We've just talked about it. Okay. Yeah. So dialogue and approach of talking really is the therapeutic thing. The funny thing is that a lot of therapists don't have any communication skills or degrees or abilities, but they are now a therapist. Mm-hmm. And so the best therapists you'll find out are usually kind of more of an artist. They're the ones that are really good communicators with you. They're yep. really good at setting your boundaries and holding stuff up for you to see. Yep. And then and they generally move you more quickly to solution or when you're ready to solution. So that you can solve your own problem. And so to me, that's what my whole business is about. Skills, tools, education, and then let you solve your own problem. So how did this business come about? Because you're an amazing public speaker. You're funny. How did it move from that to, okay, now I want to coach people and help people more one-on-one? So what weirdly happened is when I left Franklin Covey, I was there about seven years on the road, training all over the country. And I was 
create, I, I was a significant contributor on the book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens, wrote a lot of content there, wrote a lot of content for the company. And I realized I'm really good at content. And um, I was writing my own content for what they would call in Seven Habits, the public victory for learning to think win-win, seeking first to understand, then to be understood, communication, creating yep. synergy with people. And so I had all this great content because of my master's degree Yep. And that on the side, I started mediating divorces. You've all, you, it's so funny that you have like this thing that you've been doing and then yeah. you're like, and then on the side, you always yeah. had like a side thing. I always had a side hustle. I still do. Now it's dancing. Now I'm doing ballroom. No, I'm not. No, I'm oh, not. I was like, yeah, wouldn't what? that be crazy? See, that's the funny thing right See, there. I would have believed you. <laughs> so, but the funny thing that is I, um, I started just mediating because I had the skills and I wanted to do it. And my parents divorced when I was young. So divorce was kind of part of my world. And I, I started mediating. And as I would work with these couples, that, that's what I learned at Franklin Covey is we're good at teaching it, but we weren't necessarily good at walking into two people that hate each other and creating calm. Right. So I know I, I knew I lacked there. So I okay. went and started learning how to do that. Okay. So what, I knew I wouldn't feel good until I could sit with the hardest couples and help them either create peace or communicate through their problems to decide what they were going to do. So I started doing that. And after two years of that, I hated it. I hated divorcing people, but I realized a lot of people didn't know how to talk. So I thought I've got to start teaching my content to these people. And so I started literally, they, I, they'd pay me a hundred dollars an hour and I would teach them about a 12 hour workshop. So they'd work with me for 12 weeks and I teach them all the skills I knew and they got really healthy. Some wouldn't oh. divorce. Some would divorce, but they didn't hate each other. Some right. were parenting better. And after that, I designed a workshop and I wrote a book. And then I went and got another master's degree. Oh, and my PhD, goodness. And then I validated my workshop with my PhD. Uh -huh. And then that's what I've done for 20 years. And now about a third of my couples come in in conflict on the verge of divorce. And we have about an 80% chance of turning them around and they'd save their marriage. That is an incredible success rate. 80%. Yeah. yeah. Of the third that don't like each other change their marriage. So, and part of it is just, if you work with people and you give them the tools and then you kind of sit with them while they do it, yeah, you create the structure. Most people want to learn it and they learn it. Well, and you probably, because you, like you said, you experienced it as a child, have that empathy yeah. for them. Like, listen, I know what it's like to experience divorce and to have gone through it as a child. And maybe you can say, hey, from your kid's perspective, this is what they're experiencing, yeah. watching yeah. their parents argue. Yeah. Totally. So in, in, if, if we were to come to you, Dr. Matt, yeah. and say, okay, what is what is one of the most important things couples can do to have a healthy relationship? Is it more intimacy? Is it more one-on-one -on -one date nights, talking communication? Like what, what is there? Like, I know for everyone it's, yeah. you know, we all have our different things, but yeah. is there like a certain, like, okay, this is proven. If you have this, you'll have a more healthy relationship. Yeah. I mean, there, there really are a lot. And the, the number one thing I would say, it, well, I would say, and it's it's saying a lot, but it's a little is what's called positive resonance. Okay, means nothing more than this. It's love, but love they found 
um, Barbara Fredrickson found is basically made up of three things. Okay. Three things you got to do to create love. Number one, positivity. Okay. Human beings are way attracted to positivity. Yes. So, hey, by the way, this is all true with your kids. This is true with every human being out there and true with your spouse. We are attracted to positivity. And the research is pretty clear that for every negative thing that happens in your life, there are actually three positive things that are also happening. So if you're looking for positivity, you will always find positivity. So one of the things I just teach is be positive. And it doesn't matter where. If you show up at a funeral, you can still be positive. If you just found out your, your best friend has cancer, bring positivity. Bring that there's hope. We've got this. I've got you. I've got, I don't know what you're feeling necessarily, but I've got you. So positivity is the first one. The okay. second key that, that makes love is what's called synchrony. Okay. Every human being on earth is wired to be in sync with other human beings. So we have mirror neurons in our heads. And what happens to us is we, sh we share and we pair. So when people are sharing with each other, we, we end up, our brains end up pairing. Okay. And you know, you're paired because have you ever, have you ever noticed that when you're fine at like a funeral until you're, until you see the person start crying? Yes. Once they start crying. You start crying. Absolutely. Okay. That means you're paired and shared, which means you're in synchrony. So if okay. you want to be in love with somebody, be positive and be in sync, which means okay. when they talk, turn to them. Look yes. in their eyes. Don't they, look at your phone. In our research, we, they, they call it bids and turns, right? So whenever somebody bids and says, honey, how was your day? Put it down your phone and turn to your partner. Bid and turn. Okay. And the, what they found is the healthiest couples on earth that, that beat divorce bid or turn 88% of the bids. So every time, every time somebody says, babe, what are you doing? Turn. And if you'll turn and here's the coolest thing ever, Carmen, did you know that if two people that are in love just sit and look at each other. They don't touch, but they just look at each other and try to connect. Within two minutes, do you know what will happen if they maintain eye contact? It like will their breathing become in sync? Uh, their heart rate. Oh, their it, heart rate at the same rate. No way. Yeah, way. Ooh. And that's because we synchronize. And by the way, guess which gender is the one that changes their heartbeat? The female. Female. Because you've already had a heart beating in you, yours and your baby's. So your uh -huh. body's already used to sinking and you're more empathic, you're more compassionate. So once we, that, that's called synchrony. And so if all we do is just look eye to eye, this is why intimacy does create connection because it yes. makes bonding chemicals, but it also gets us in sync. We can do that without even touching. You can do it by turning to your kids and getting in sync with them eye to eye. So by the way, notice we have positivity and now we yes. have synchrony. Yes. The third thing is charity. charity. Charity is where I put your needs above my needs, where I put your, your need to be served and loved above my need. I put your need to have the dishes done right now above my need to go watch the game. And that's hard to do sometimes because oh. sometimes as women too, and I will admit, sometimes we get like the martyr syndrome, like, look at everything I do for I do everyone else. Like I do all of it. So, so how do we give that charity without feeling like we're giving up too much of ourselves? Well, that's interesting. So the, I, I have a whole set of content on that, that I call body, mind, and spirit. And the, I've, it's, it's a, it's just an awesome concept that 
anytime your mind is feeling jilted, so you have to decide if you're going to deal with your marriage in your mind, in your body, or in your spirit. Okay. Your spirit doesn't care if you're the one doing all the work. Oh. Your mind does. <gasps> That's an interesting thought. Your spirit is fine serving. It's also fine not being served. It's also fine being attacked, being hurt, being victimized. Your spirit can sit and watch it. That's why your Christ could handle his abuse because he would handle it in his spirit. Now his mind would be like, what the crud? Yeah. Right. And his body would feel the pain. Yes. So in our world, we just have to decide which of the masters you want to serve. Do you want to serve the body and go relax? Do you want to serve the mind and make it fair and equal? Or do you want to serve the spirit and actually feel peace? That is so interesting. It's huge. And it's a huge thing that I find is because I'll teach couples, for example, how to talk, how to create positivity, synchrony, and charity. I'll teach them all these great skills, but then their mind takes over and their mind feels jilted. Their mind yes. feels like, why don't I get mine? And so as soon as you recognize you're in your mind, it's so cool. The minute you notice you're in your mind, you actually stop being in your mind. So once it's you so know you pay attention to it. Right. And so that's, I, I have a, there's, I did a talk for hope works. It's a 22 minute talk. If you just Google Matt Townsend and hope works, hope works. Okay. Which is, which is basically come unto come unto Christ.org. It's for the LDS church. It's a talk I did on body, mind, and spirit. And it, it teaches it in a really cool way, but I've seen that idea changed so many people. I recently just had a guy who lost his wife of two years. He's a 23 year old <gasps> kid. He's oh. only had his wife two years. She was pregnant with their baby. Oh, he my walked in and she was dead. She had died. And he immediately got into his mind and his body stayed there for a week and was just devastated as you oh, would yeah. be. Right. Of course. He came and sat down with me. I just taught him the difference between body, mind and spirit and his body ached for his wife and his mind felt like he had caused it because he wasn't home. He should have been home. If he hadn't gone to that meeting, it wouldn't have. And then I just asked him to notice which one are you in your body, your mind, or your spirit. And he noticed he's in his mind. And then I teach you to stop, straighten up, take a deep breath. I even teach to look up to God, look to God and then imagine Christ there. And then I said, so if Christ walked in, what would he do to you right now? And he just put his head down and he just started to cry. And he said he would just hold me. Yes. And what would you feel as you're being held by Christ? And he'd say, I feel loved. I'd feel peace. I'd feel strong. What would you, what would the Christ say to you? He said, he'd probably just show me my wife is great. Mm -hmm. Holding my baby. Oh my goodness. And, and so when he goes to his spirit, he gets to that piece. Now, he still, five minutes later, is going to flip back to his mind. Uh -huh. He holds his wife's, you know, pillow. Yes. And then all he needs to do is in that moment again is recognize his mind again, take a deep breath, and get back to God and feel the peace again. And so I feel like what I teach is we need to do that about 50 times a day. Oh, absolutely. At least I'm like frantically writing, taking yeah. notes as you're speaking, because so often I felt, I mean, that exact same thing. It's I'll, I'll be in a fight with my husband. Yeah. I'll get over it. It'll be yeah. fine. And then I'll start talking to my sisters about it. Yeah. And I'll, get back, yeah. and I'll get back in my head like, oh, wait, 
Oh, yeah. that one's so rude. Isn't that and interesting? It, yeah. It is, and it doesn't help anything. And then I'm mad again. I feel awful. And my yeah. husband will come home like, wait, we resolved this. I'm like, no, I'm mad again. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what else happens is the minute you get in your mind, your body creates chemicals. So yeah. that, that creates like a force in you. Like that's what, that's what the scriptures and every theoretician calls. Um, that's your heart. Your heart is the energy about it. So you right. can have hard-hearted, which is where uh -huh. your heart is making you mad, or you yes. can be soft-hearted, which is the spirit making you at peace. And so all you need to do is just keep remembering the body, the mind, or the spirit. And you have to do it about 50 times a day. But oh, yeah. you, do, you immediately can get back to peace. By the way, another cool thing is you can notice when your husband's in his mind. And when you notice that he's in his mind, you can get back to your spirit faster. And if you okay. don't, then two minds start fighting. Yes. And that's, and that's, that's crazy. Do you, does it get easier? Is it like a yeah, habit that a you habit. can recognize and switch? Yeah. yeah. And the coolest thing is when you just straighten your back and take a deep breath. And I even teach to kind of lean away from what you're going through. You'll, okay. actually, you'll feel spirit. And you'll it's funny it. that that's like a natural thing. Like when you are overwhelmed to like, okay. And almost know. even the phrase, take a step back. Yeah. And you really do. And you know what, by the way, Buddhist, this is Buddhism, this is Hinduism, and this is Christianity. This is the spirit in real-time play. Because and truth what, is truth across yeah, all religions. And what's cool is when you get back to your spirit, you feel at one again. You feel at one minute. Yes. So now you're back in the atonement. And when you're back in the atonement, the peace is there. Now, you haven't solved the problem. Right. You're just no longer you're so you've lost yourself in order to find yourself. So you lose your mind and your body and you slink back into your spirit, who is really who you are. You know, you're you're always been the spirit. It, it makes the scripture, whosoever shall lose his life, shall whosoever it. shall find his life shall yeah. lose it, and whosoever shall lose yeah. his life for my sake shall yeah. find it. So when you turn back to my sake, and yes. the cool thing about your spirit, like you're so at peace that none of this should tip you over. If you're in spirit, the world doesn't tip you over. It only tips right. you over in your mind. So all you got to recognize is I'm in my mind. Stop. Take a deep breath. Look to God. Always remember him. And then you'll feel the peace. And then it'll tell you what to do next. And then you just follow whatever the you keep the commandment the spirit's giving you. So if right. the spirit is to go back and apologize again, then mm -hmm. apologize again. And you just, so I've just found that that's a really cool spiritual tool. That to is a get great. Rid of the immediate need to react to any human being. So are these the kind of skills and tools that you teach in yeah. your coaching? Okay. Yeah. And, and tell us a little bit about, do you have a clinic? Is it online? Do you have other coaches? Where can people go if they're like, this resonates so much with me. I want to learn more about this. So they can go to matttownsend.com is my website. And right now I have my whole marriage program online. They can go watch and take. I'm about to launch an entire program on anxiety. I want that one. It's so awesome. And it's on high sensitivity, which is awesome. I, I basically teach everyone's a Ferrari. Every, everybody that has anxiety is probably a Ferrari in a world full of Chevys. And I yes. teach you how to drive your Ferrari. So we're, we're putting that program online and that'll eventually, right now we're going to have a launch of 42 different emails. You'll get an email a day for 42 days with okay. 42 tools. Um, eventually that'll have a full training program behind it and coaches online. 
my I also have an office where anybody that's in the Utah area can come take my classes. But if you just go to matttownsend.com, we have about 30 hours of content online. I have a parenting class there for how to teach your kids to be more independent. Love I have it. a class on anxiety. And then I do date nights that are, you've been to those, of these big events, 1,200 so people. And I usually create two and a half hours of new content. And then we post those. So there's about six date nights on my site as well. Are you doing more of those live or not right now because of the COVID stuff? Yeah, we, we actually have one in November. We've done a few live. It's just people are afraid. Yeah. They're yeah. Afraid. Yeah. But, wait, so but it's, but, we're doing them and we may do it online. It's just, okay. I, 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 what I'm doing instead right now is trying to get all my content up where people can just get to it. I love it. And yeah. so they can go to matttownsend.com yeah. to figure all that out. Yeah. And then where can people go? You said that there's a great place yeah. people can go to discover what their talents okay. and skills okay. are. This is huge. This is something I did about 10 or 15 years ago. I already knew I had certain gifts, but if you go to a website called authentichappiness.org, okay. it will take you to the University of Pennsylvania and they are the leading researchers on what's called positive psychology. And what you'll do is you'll fill out an assessment. So you'll go to the questionnaires tab. Then you go to what's, and you take the VIA, the VIA, VIA. Okay. Character Strengths Assessment. Okay. It will take you about 35 minutes to finish it. It's about 280 questions. Oh, wow. When, you, when you're done, it will rank from number one to number 24, your top character strengths. And the awesome. research is really clear that, when we operate out of our strengths, we're happier. And what I found out is that my number one strength is social intelligence. Awesome. Here, right? <laughs> my number two strength is spirituality. My third strength is discernment and wisdom. My fourth strength is love of learning. My fifth strength is creativity. And my sixth strength is humor and playfulness. Oh my goodness. Awesome. Which is what, so those six strengths are the things I use every day in my life. Yes. So when I walk into a room, I don't need to be the best at anything. I just need to bring my strengths. So when I walk in, I know I'm the most socially intelligent one in the room. And right. I know I'm the most creative one. And I know I'm the most spiritually discerning. So in my world, I'm those five things. And so anytime I lack confidence, I go to those. And guess what my lowest one is, by the way? What is your lowest one? Self-regulation. No way. I don't regulate myself. So I would talk to you for two and a half hours. I just go and which is why I get in trouble with sometimes my humor. So I have to keep around me people that regulate and my wife regulates really well. So she's awesome. in charge of my schedule and my calendar and my office and I don't have to keep in charge of it but I just yeah. use my strengths. So if everyone will go take the VIA character strengths assessment, I'm you'll know do what that. your top five strengths are. And then I'd use it everywhere you go. Well, and how reassuring it for people that feel like, I don't even know what I am good yeah, at. No and, and, and or to compare, like you said, ourselves to others. And well, yeah. I'm not this. And yeah. like organizing my fridge, I'm like, I am never one of those girls that labels everything and puts right. them in the containers. No. But I don't have to be. No, but you have a podcast. See, that's the difference is when, when you see yours, you'll be like, oh, okay, that's what I have to be. I have, awesome. And the coolest thing about it is you may not even be a music. We always think of talent as musician or athletic or none of those are your character strengths. Your right. character, and by the way, you're already a ninja in five strengths. You're already incredible in five signature strengths. So 
Just learn what they are. And all you need to worry about in this world is bringing those five things. Just bring those everywhere you go. So mine, I bring humor to my family, but I also bring creativity. I never yep. do anything the same way twice. I bring yep. spirituality. I bring social intelligence. And every one of my kids now know their strengths. And I pretty much just demand they lead by their strengths. So if I, I have kids that their number one is humor and playfulness. So if we need fun, I know who to call on. I love that. Yeah. Right. And then I have another son that loves learning. And so he's the one that always gets us to a museum on a family trip. Awesome. So that's how you can kind of spread the joy. And by the way, you'll be happy when you live your strengths. In positive psychology, the belief is once you know what your strengths are, if you'll just live your strengths, it will decrease your mental health issues. Oh, my goodness. They believe mental health issues are the fact that we're not living our strength is it starts to create other problems in your life. It makes so much sense because you feel like I'm not doing what I sh I always I've, I say that a lot. What should I be doing? I don't yeah. feel like I'm doing what I should be doing because I'm yeah. comparing myself to everyone else's strengths. Yeah. But how beneficial to know your kids and your spouse's strengths oh, yeah. so then you're yeah. not comparing them to each uh, other either. And it makes so much sense like why my wife when my wife makes dinner, she will divide it the dinner fairly between everyone equally exactly equally even if i'll eat more than all of the little kids yeah. be fair about it and that's because fairness is one of her highest traits and honesty oh. she's so honest so if i were in the restroom my wife would say oh sorry matt can't come to the phone he's in the bathroom and i'm like don't tell people oh, like, no, say i'm in a meeting yeah. <laughs> she's so honest so instead of me being mad about it i just noticed that's her being her and socially intelligent. Like I'm not as honest because I'd rather you like me than yeah. just be honest. And so, but honesty is really high for her. So sometimes it, it overcomes her, you know, her social intelligence. Right. And so once you notice it, you're like, Oh, and then what's cool. Then my spirit can just appreciate it. Cause I yes. think your spiritual gifts, their characters, right. they're parts of things there are things you created and strengthened in the pre-mortal world and you're bringing here. And so then you just get to figure out what they are and then how best to use them. Yeah. Maybe. And the funny thing is, is you're already good at it. You just don't know you're good at it. Like the reason, isn't it funny that the way I knew what I needed to be is watching David Christensen. And then I knew I had the creativity to do that. And I knew I had the humor and playfulness to do that. And I knew I needed to learn how to do that, the the love of learning. And I knew I had the social intelligence to do it. And spiritually, my patriarchal blessing told me to do it. So when all of these came together, it was obvious what I needed to do. And then that's why I would quit Franklin Covey young. I was young and I just walked away and everyone thought I was crazy. But I've since met with the CEO of Franklin Covey at the time. And he's like, I'm so proud of what you're doing because you never would have been this if you had stayed there. Right. So absolutely. The spirit. And we can be confident that when we follow our strengths and follow the spirit that we'll be led to do what we're supposed to do here. Yeah. yeah. And, and every time. And, and even if it feels like something's not working, you'll have the skills and the tools to stay in spirit and then use your gifts to get through it. I love that so much. Yeah. I've learned so much. I, I, I'm the same. I don't, I, I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> self-regulation. But I'm so glad that you came on today and talked yeah. to us and gave us all these skills and tools about bettering ourselves and our relationships, how to get in your spirit. That that was a game changer for me today because I am a very mental person. I stay yeah. in my mind a lot. So just learning how to get out of that. I love it. And I, I'm so grateful for everything you've done, Thanks, Matt. Yeah to share your talents with the world and for all the good that you are doing. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for listening to this episode of Doing Good with Carmen Herbert, available exclusively inside Our Turtle House. At Our Turtle House, there's something for the whole family. From full-leg talks that you can't get anywhere else from some of your favorite speakers, to fun family home evening lesson plans that follow the Come Follow Me curriculum. There's even short daily devotionals made specifically for your teens. Plus, you can get two months free when you sign up for an annual plan. Just go to OurTurtleHouse.com to get started. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you back here for another episode of Doing Good next week.